bet you I'm gonna be a big star Might win an Oscar, you can never tell The movie's gonna make me a big star Hi, welcome to Meet Me at the Movies. I am Noel T. Manning II. Appreciate you spending time with us. If you're doing that through uh, C19 TV, if you're watching us on the air, thank you. And if you're deciding to check out the video stream, that's at c19.tv. And if you're listening to the podcast version of that through wgwg.org, we thank you for that as well. Uh, I am Noel T. Manning II. As I mentioned, Thomas Manning uh, joining me again. Uh, He just uh, keeps deciding to come back. I appreciate that. Greg Tillman, our producer, uh, is continuing to do research. He's trying to decide if, if Zoom is just the way we need to do this from here on out because he doesn't have to be in the same room with us. And so, Greg, I, I'm sorry you missed out on this, but uh, keep doing the research, man. We, we appreciate you. Sean O'Connell, um, longtime friend. Uh, you and I have known each other for, for quite a while. Uh, man, you have got this just kind of vast body of things that you are involved in. Uh, I mean, let me look at the – I'm not going to go through all of it. I'm going to let you go through some of that. <laughs> Sure. But uh, you are the managing director for Cinema Blend. Uh, You also are on the Critics' Choice Board of Directors. And you are the author of the forthcoming Release the Snyder Cut book. Is that correct? Well, yeah. I mean, the book's not quite finished yet because of a curveball that we just got served, uh, leading to some rewrites. But yes, the book is is in progress and will uh, hit shelves in early 2021, from what I'm told. Well, Sean, we're really glad to have you on board with us uh, today. We've been trying to get you on the show for a while, and we're just excited uh, to be spending some time with you today. Uh, you, you and I go back for, for a few years, but, uh, but for some of the folks out there that may not know who Sean O'Connell is, give us a little background on your love of film and, uh, and, and what got you into to this realm of looking at film from a critical perspective. Sure. Uh, and I want to say, first and foremost, that I just miss seeing your guys' faces. Um, the, the Mannings, for people who aren't aware, uh, are fixtures on the uh, local film screening circuit. And we don't go to the movie theaters as much as we used to anymore. And so uh, I'm bummed out because I used to get to see you guys on the regular. And I'm looking forward to that being part of our routine uh, again. So, I mean, I've been, I've been doing this for uh, over 20 years now at this point. Um, I grew up a movie nerd. I got into um, film journalism right around the time that the web was was kicking off in the late 1990s, which was a really good time because a, a bunch of new sites that were launching needed content. Uh, and so if you had a, a, a knowledge, a specialty in something and you could commit to writing about it on a regular basis, you had a pretty good chance of at least getting, uh, you know, getting clips put together. And a lot of times it was to try to get a byline. And you just, you got better at it over time. You got into the the routine of going to screenings, of coming back, of putting your thoughts together. And, you know, I, I get asked a lot by up and comers about like, how do you, how do you break into this field? And the only way to, to break into it is to just do it on, on the regular. And it's been fun over the years to see the medium evolve. I mean, look at us here on Zoom doing this, right? Like, the idea of film journalism is always going to be prevalent, but there's different ways for people to do it now. There's YouTube channels, there's podcasts. It might not be sitting down to write um, a full review and, and you might not have an aspiration to get published in the New York Times anymore, um, but there's ways for you to communicate with an audience. And uh, over time, I think if you have strong opinions and if you um, bring a sense of personality to your film reviews, you're going to find an audience and there's just a, you have to be persistent with it. 
Well, uh, you know, speaking of finding an audience, you have this incredible uh, podcast. I'm going to let Thomas dive in with a question because he uh, is one of those audience members that never misses uh, the show. Thomas, talk about what is this about? Thomas, you have a question, I think. Oh, well, yeah, actually, just before uh, we got on the show, I was listening to this week's podcast with you and, of course, Kevin McCarthy and Jake Hamilton. And uh, so, you know, how exactly did you all come into contact with one another? At what point did that start? And was it, didn't it start out as an award season type podcast and it kind of grew from there? It did. Um, I've been friends with those guys for years and we, we all participate in something called the, the junket circuit. Um, Noel's very familiar with this also, where essentially uh, you get invited to travel and interview uh, celebrities uh, for their upcoming films. And you spend a lot of time with the journalists who are also working on that junket circuit. A lot of times it's hanging out in hotel rooms uh, while you wait, it, like these hospitality suites, while you wait for, for the three minutes that you get with whatever film star is promoting a movie at that time. So you start to gravitate toward people who you're just um, like-minded with, you know, that you're friendly with. And Jake and Kevin over the years have just been two guys who I've always sort of like, when I go into a room and I see that they're there, I, I just head over to them and we just start shooting the breeze. And so a couple of years back, it's coming up on about three years now at this point, uh, Cinema Blend tasked me with the idea of launching a uh, podcast if I had any ideas and I knew that the, the three of us had a good time hanging out talking and I just sort of pitched it as a I, not that this is original but I, I sort of viewed it as like a part of the interruption on ESPN you know for movies where we would just run through movie topics and the two of them were super interested in doing it I was very thankful that neither of them had podcasts of their own kind of thing so we were able to sort of launch it from the start and it was really funny because when we started it, we did not want to do uh, interviews. We were, we were super into the idea of just, we're just gonna turn the microphones on and talk about whatever interests us. Um, when we do interviews, that's a job and we don't really wanna do more work kind of thing. We wanted it to be fun. But over the years, um, we got offered a lot of opportunities to speak to filmmakers that we appreciate, um, directors who we admire, independent filmmakers, uh, anyone from an independent filmmaker who has a film on the film festival circuit, uh, all the way up through to, you know, Quentin Tarantino, who has been on the show twice, which has been amazing. And so while we were <laughs> a little adamant to not make it an interview show, directors are really responding. And what happened is directors don't do really well in that two to three minute, three to four minute interview slot. They want a longer form a podcast to be able to get on and talk craft and the three of us are really interested in craft and so it became a pretty good fit for the three of us to and even when the three of us sit down to do interviews together we approach subjects from completely different angles so it's fun when we all bring our questions to the table and talk about like okay well what what are we going to cover none of us are ever stepping on each other we always want to know different things and i think uh, i think directors tend to really respond to to that so um yeah we've been we've been incredibly lucky from some of the people that we've had on the show and uh and we hope to just continue to keep growing that aspect of it and share the name of the podcast for those that may not oh, be familiar sure it's real blend r-e-e-l uh real blend and it's a spinoff of cinema blend and when we started it was called awards blend um and then we were just going to do the oscar season and i mainly because those two guys are are as busy as can be not so much anymore with us not traveling, but I wasn't sure how much I would be able to, to button them down. And, uh, but what well, we all enjoyed doing it so much that when the award season that year ended, we just con continued doing it and we uh, name changed it. And then uh, we've grown from there. 
you were you were dead on about connecting to like-minded people that you enjoy hanging out with, and mm. that's one of the things I was talking with Kevin Sampson, um, who uh, is is also a fellow film critic, and uh, talking to him recently, uh, Thomas and I, and we were like, we we do miss those screenings because during the screenings, it's one a time that you get a chance to see them, uh, like you, folks like you, or Adam Frazier, or or so many others, Matt Brunson but mm -hmm. you also get a chance to talk a little bit afterwards <laughs> and we do miss yeah. that. And so these opportunities like this, doing these Zoom things has been a great way to kind of reconnect again. Uh, you know, you've been able to travel all over the world uh, to interview uh, filmmakers, uh, to, to go to premiere screenings. What is the one that stands out to you as, wow, I'm glad I got a chance to do that one. And if I never got a chance to do any others, that's one that I can be happy for. Boy, that's a great question. Um, so uh, if you can see over my shoulder, you see the two Avengers uh, posters for Infinity War and Endgame. And I'm a, I'm a huge Marvel kid, um, which is funny that I'm writing a DC book because I <laughs> and never, <laughs> never thought I would uh, have any material that would inspire me enough to write a book. And the fact that it's about DC is pretty funny to me. Um, but that's how much I love the Snyder Cut story. Um, I was lucky enough to visit the set of those two films. Um, it was down in Atlanta. Uh, we got to interview pretty much everybody. Um, and so, you know, to see, these are characters who I truly adore, you know, and, and I think that Marvel's done a great job of, of bringing them to life and the casting of them has been incredible. Um, so on that day, we were in uh, the makeshift Wakanda uh, we got to see Black Panther welcoming uh, Captain America and um, and all these characters in their costumes and watch them film. And then over the course of the day, they took us around to all the different sets. So we did um, the Sanctum Sanctorum for Doctor Strange. We got to see that set. And it had the hole in the staircase uh, of where Bruce Banner lands, but they wouldn't tell us at the time of what it was. Um, they brought us around to the different ships, so we got to go on to the Guardians of the Galaxy's ship, to go on to uh, the Quinjet that the Avengers eventually took to Thanos' planet. I mean, it, it was one of those days where each thing we got to do just escalated even further, and I couldn't, I just couldn't believe that I got a chance to, to, to do that. So as, as someone who grew up, you know, as a kid reading Marvel comics, and, and I, it's funny, like I, I say this often, I loved movies and I loved comics growing up. And the fact that those two things merged together uh, into something that you could make a profession out of uh, is unreal to me. Uh, and so I'm, I'm lucky. I'm just very lucky. Yeah, yeah. You really were like a kid in a candy store with a, with a key to any kind of vehicle that you wanted to be a part of. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. It was pretty great. It was pretty great. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, we're going to take a quick break right now. And then we'll come back in the last half of the show. We're going to talk about this book. Uh, we're going to talk about the movie uh, and, and talk about what's to come and what drew you into that. You're watching Meet Me at the Movies right here on C19 TV. Thomas Manning with me along with Sean O'Connell uh, for Meet Me at the Movies. Hang around for this quick intermission. They're going to put me in the movies. They're going to make a big star out of me. Ah, the census. A special time when we count every person in each home in every neighborhood. Do kids count? Of course. Counting everyone in your home helps support your neighborhood by funding things like schools, hospitals, and buses. Complete the census by calling or going online. Or return your form by mail. It's easy, secure, and most important, it's totally private. Make, Make your, your family, family count! count. 
This year, make sure every child counts. Visit 2020census.gov. Hello, students. My name is Jason Hurst, and I have the honor and privilege of serving as president of Cleveland Community College. As you all know, this has certainly been an interesting semester related to uh, the pandemic. I want you to know how incredibly proud I am of each one of you for enduring and being persistent to get through your classes. I know this has been a trying time. Many of you have been caregivers. You've had to keep your children. Uh, you've had to work from home. You've had to teach school. And you've had to endure and overcome a lot of obstacles to be able to complete your classes. But I want you to know we're incredibly proud of you and we look forward to seeing you back this summer semester or this fall semester. Congratulations on your accomplishments. They're gonna put me in the movies. They're gonna make a big star out of me. Welcome back to Meet Me at the Movies. I am Noel T. Manning II with Thomas Manning and our special guest, Sean O'Connell. Sean, Sean wears many hats. Uh, he does a lot of different things, but this guy loves movies. Uh, and Sean, you and I uh, were at the screening for the original Justice League. Oof. And uh, yes, yes, I remember talking <laughs> to you afterwards and, and, and a little lukewarm to what we saw there. And the following week, I think it was the following week, you and I saw Thor Ragnarok. Okay. And we had a different feeling for that. And, and I remember, and I'm, I may be quoting you a little off here, but you can correct me. I remember you saying something to the tune of Thor Ragnarok is the movie that Justice League hoped it could have been. Mm. And, and that, that felt right because they, they were able to do something with that. So with that in mind, tell me how this whole Snyder Cut thing happened. You, 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 you got on this journey and now you've got this book that you're working on. So walk me through that from that point to where yeah. we are now. Yeah, sure. No, I, th I think what, what I kind of meant at that time was the way that Thor Ragnarok balanced uh, humor and action, you know, and it, it's the, the Snyder Cut story is, is long and detailed. Um, and it basically, uh, you know, that Justice League movie was for DC fans was supposed to be what this is, you know, the, the Avengers film. Finally, uh, the, the characters that they love on screen together for the very first time, uh, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, they, they had built toward it through Man of Steel and Batman versus Superman. And they were ready to deliver a movie that several fans had waited their entire lives to see. And if you go back and watch that theatrical cut of, uh, in 2017, it's a debacle. I mean, it's just, the, the, there's no way that it's even a passable movie, you know? Like right from the very beginning when you start to learn the story about Henry Cavill, who played Superman so infamously, uh, had to come back for reshoots for Justice League, drastic reshoots because they replaced Zack Snyder with Joss Whedon. But he'd already moved on to um, Mission Impossible Fallout and had grown this luxurious mustache. And so because the studios Paramount wouldn't let him shave it and Warner Brothers wasn't willing to wait, they weren't willing to wait for him to do it, they CGI removed the mustache, but they kind of half did it. You know, and that's the perfect example of Justice League in general. It's kind of half of a movie. It's not, uh, it's not anyone's vision realized. And so from the minute that that movie screened in 2017, Snyder's diehard fans knew that he had a different cut out there. You know, they based it off of trailers that they went back to check out, uh, behind the scenes videos, and they were adamant about the fact that there was a different cut of the movie uh, that existed. And so they created this movement that became 
release the Snyder Cut, hashtag release the Snyder Cut. And, and, and the way that it has evolved over the years, they've gone through so many cycles of first being told it doesn't exist, then being told, all right, maybe it does exist, but they're never going to release it. Then, all right, well, they might release it, but it's not going to go to theaters and it's going to cost X. Like they just kept going through all these different hurdles. And the thing that I loved about it was that Zack Snyder himself encouraged it. He was one of the loudest people pushing that movement along, yeah. almost as if to say, hey, guys, keep doing the work because I might get to release my version someday. <laughs> it, his, his cut is rumored to be, at the time it was, a 214 minutes. So we're talking nearly three and a half hours of footage that he had assembled versus a two-hour theatrical cut. And part of the reason why I was so adamant about it being different is that the cinematographer, Fabian Wagner, who worked with Zach on his version did go see the theatrical cut and said he cried through the whole thing and he came out and he said 10% of what we shot is in that movie wow. which means that Whedon in a short amount of time had to reshoot 80 to 90% you know roughly and that's just ridiculous to me that they that they let him do that and then still put Zach's name on as the director so I've always sort of been fascinated about the behind the scenes of that process and how it led to uh, a Justice League film. And Thomas, I know you've got a couple of questions. Why don't you go ahead and dive in uh, for Sean? Yeah, I, th I think you've mentioned before, I've seen you on social media say how this joining the Snyder Cut movement is something that's changed your life in many mm -hmm. ways. And uh, so what exactly is, you know, one particular lesson, one particular realization that you have come across in the Snyder Cut movement that you can apply to other areas of, of your profession or just your life in general? Well, profession for sure is yeah. um, I've, I've never reported on a story this big uh, right. for this amount of time. This has been a year of, of my life um, wow. because wow. I was always aware of, of what the Snyder Cut movement was and what they were asking for, but I didn't realize the full details of it. Like they, they came across to me as a group that, that wanted to fight for a lost movie. And that in and of itself is pretty interesting to me. But the reason why Zack Snyder left Justice League in 2017 before the movie came out was because his daughter committed suicide. His daughter, Autumn, committed suicide. And it was a tragedy. And at the time, Zack thought he could sort of push his way through it uh, and distract himself with the filming. Um, but he eventually had to step away. And so because of that, the Snyder Cut movement uh, decided that they were going to dedicate a lot of their efforts to raising awareness and funds for the um, American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, the AFSB, which gave that movement um, uh, an aspect that I wasn't anticipating. And if you're just a, a drive-by journalist who needs to crank out a blog a day um, and you're just reacting to a story like the Snyder Cut, which maybe I might have been at the time, you know, oh, look at these guys. They're just, you know, they don't want to... Uh, except the fact that they didn't get the movie that they wanted. They're an entitled fan base kind of thing. But you don't often get the time as a journalist to really stop and do a deep dive into your subject. And so I decided to, and I have to give my wife all the credit in the world for this. She was the one who, as I was talking to her about potentially doing the book and researching this uh, thing, and I, all I kept saying was, they took the movie away from Snyder. They they replaced him with a director who wasn't going to create his version. And these guys are fighting behind the scenes in order to get it released. I was interested in it from the industry perspective. And Michelle, my wife, said to me, she goes, well, why are they fighting for it? Like, why are these people spending so much of their time and money and energy to do this? And I thought, I don't, I don't know. Like, that's a great question. <laughs> and so many times as a reporter – we cover the, the surface, you know, this is what's going on. Th these are the, the facts kind of thing, but we don't stop and, and ask 
why? why? Why is this happening? And you dig down just a little bit deeper and you find a much better story because then I started to speak to the people in the movement and why they're doing it and their emotional connection to the material is what pulled me into their story. Like th there's a reason that they dedicate all of this time to, to getting it released. And it's not just a movie. It really is about the bonds that they've formed as uh, friends and even as a family, they refer to themselves. And I, I learned so much more because I took the time to stop and ask the questions that surrounded the facts. And uh, I hope that that's a lesson that I'll take moving forward as I continue to cover uh, other movements and other stories, just just bigger picture things. It's it's giving yourself time to breathe and ask the bigger questions about some of the things that you're writing about. And um, I'm not sure that I was doing that quite as well before I started doing all this. And Thomas, yep. he, he just texted me. He's got a follow-up question. Oh, Go for yeah. it, Thomas. Oh, yeah, sure. So, <laughs> Sorry as if you've I'm long-winded. I, I, no, no, I, this, I, is, this is awesome. Great. <laughs> okay, awesome. good, good. So as you've uh, drafted and developed your book, it's Release the Snyder Cut book. That's the title of it, right? Yes, it's called okay, Release the so, Snyder Cut. Yeah. So how difficult has it been to narrow down exactly what you want to include? Because oh. it's such a massive movement. And, of course, millions of fans around the world, tons of charitable donations have been a part of it. And it's just been such a massive social media movement as well. How, um, how have you narrowed down exactly what you're going to focus on? That is a tremendous question because that's been a huge challenge this whole yeah. time. And, and honestly, it was, I needed the book to work um, on its own without a couple of big things. Um, one, I had to potentially think about the fact that Zach might never uh, – contribute to the book, right? Like, can the book still work without his input? Um, because that up until recently, he was not able to talk about most of this stuff. And it's because he was negotiating behind the scenes to get the Snyder Cut released. If people haven't heard yet, the Snyder Cut is going to get released. Um, it's coming to HBO Max in 2021. Uh, we don't know in quite what format, whether it's going to be a long movie or a multi-part series, but it's coming. Um, he, They won. They got it released. Um, I needed the book to work if if it didn't have an ending. If, if the Snyder Cut, like as I was writing the entire thing, we didn't know. Um, so literally a month before I was due to go to, to print, uh, I was due to turn my manuscript in, he announces that it's getting released. So I had to reach out to my publisher and say, hey, huge left turn, you know, do I have turn, time to rewrite it? So I focused on the people in the movement. I always thought it was gonna be their story. Um, in doing that, I did have to tell the history of Zach through the DCEU and what led to them getting there. Um, and again, I, I was kind of writing it from the perspective of if we never see this, if it, if it still doesn't make any progress, the book can still sort of be its own thing. But here's something that I discovered also too, Thomas, and I didn't even realize this, this was a very happy accident. If I tried to get all of these people in the movement to tell their story uh, now, after they were kind of celebrating and realizing that they'd crossed the finish line, their stories would be so different. You know, like they were telling me so much about their motivations back when they were still in the fight. And so I have great, great answers about people who were still very, very passionate about the movement and trying to explain their involvement in it that I just think if we tried to start getting those answers from them after the fact, it would have been a different narrative. And so I'm really thankful and lucky and blessed that I started this journey when I did um, almost a year ago because it allowed me to accumulate all of this great insight and information from them. And I hope the book benefits uh, as a result of that. Yeah, actually, you and I tried to schedule this show 
like maybe two days before the news was released and yeah. we were like, yeah, I'll talk to you. And then all of a sudden I'm like, okay, well, we got to slow down. Yeah, sure. And, uh, yeah. and reschedule this. So I'm glad we got you on. Um, I really am. So at what point, let's back up. And at what point did you decide, okay, I've got to make this into a book. There's something more than just writing pieces on it. What was that trigger for you that said, okay, I'm going to take this a step further. Um, well, in, San Diego Comic-Con of last year, 2019, uh, the Snyder Cut movement decided to do something that they called, they now call Project Comic-Con, which is uh, to raise awareness. They took over downtown San Diego by buying billboards, uh, buying bus station advertisements. And so everywhere you kind of walked in downtown San Diego when you were covering Comic-Con that year, you just saw release the Snyder Cut banners and they, they paid for an airplane to fly over uh, the San Diego Convention Center, which is where everything is taking place. And when that concerted effort uh, or concentrated effort, uh, when I saw that happening, I thought, all right, these guys are on to something else. There's something more going on here. Like you don't just slap this together if you're a makeshift movement kind of thing. A few months after that, in October of that year, 2019, uh, they went, they did the same thing for New York Comic Con. And this time they bought a Times Square billboard. And the Times Square billboard would have quotes from Jason Momoa, who plays Aquaman. It had quotes from uh, Kieran Hines, who's the, uh, the actor who plays the villain Steppenwolf. And then it ended with Zack Snyder. And he had a quote and it says, you know, I have a cut, it's done. And I said, all right, I'm going to start asking, you know, some of these guys some questions. I got to start figuring out that this is a bigger story. Because like, I was always, for, just from an industry perspective, fascinated by the fact that you have this tentpole blockbuster that switches directors, you know, mid-horse. Mid switches horses midstream <laughs> there's an analogy at work somewhere in there um and and just from a comic book nerd perspective i was fascinated that dc is was switching their their justice league movie and hiring the guy who did two avengers films like that alone blew my mind but when you start to to ask again ask the questions well why did they hire him how come this happened how come you put all these pieces together and that's when i start and, and michelle's um mother, my, my stepmother, uh, my uh, mother-in-law, who's a fantastic, loves journalism, loves books, would always say to me, you're going to write a book one day. And I'd say, there's no chance in, in heck that I'm ever going to write a book because I just don't, I don't want to. But you get that idea and it never leaves your brain and you have to do it. it, it that's what happens with a book. It just, it borrows in your brain and you, you have to get it out. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that it's going to be out. And uh, where can people find out information about it and follow oh. it? Yeah. Uh, so I have a Twitter account that I created specifically for the book. It's called RTSC book. It's release the Snyder cut book. Or if you follow me on social media, it's Sean underscore O'Connell. Uh, I'm sharing stuff constantly about um, the progress on the book. So I have until July 30th now to finish the manuscript. And um, uh, I hope to have everything uh, put together. So my publisher would like to time the release of the book to when uh, the Snyder Cut hits HBO Max next year, and hopefully the two of them will work uh, in tandem and everyone will read it. Well, I sure hope they will. I know that <laughs> Thomas and I are going to be reading it, so we're going to be one of the first couple to purchase it when we get a chance, that's for Thank sure. Thank you, boys. Thank you, you very much. You can count on that. Uh, so, Sean, we've got uh, time for a quick hot topic. Okay, oh, sure. We've been talking about Justice League, and if you could choose one Justice League character to hang out with for a day, <laughs> Yeah. Who would it be and why? And Thomas and I will also uh, chime in with this. Oh, I mean, I have to choose Superman. How do you not choose Superman? Um, I mean, he's just the purest, you know, most noble member. I wouldn't want to hang out with Batman. Uh, <laughs> he's got 
psychological issues. Uh, and, you know, Superman can fly, so he can take me around Lois Lane style. And, and I'd, like Margot Kidder, I would hold his hand and just zoom around the planet. So he'd be my choice. All right, Thomas, what about you, man? Oh, well, I think I'd go with Batman specifically because he has psychological issues. Uh, well, I just think I would do a good job balancing him out with some of my quirkiness and my goofiness, and, uh, and I'd just try to get on his nerves as much as possible. It might end poorly for me, but it also might be a fun time, so uh, I'll go with Batman. Absolutely. Uh, and, and I would hang out with Aquaman because I love the ocean, and the dude, if you go into the, to a bar or anywhere with this guy, people are going to look at you. And so yeah. they're going to be drawn to you just because of him. And why would I not want that? You know, why would I not want that? Especially yeah. as we've had to physically distance and social distance. If the time came or the time comes that that, that doesn't have to be the case, let me hang out with Aquaman, you know? That's awesome. <laughs> I love it. That's a great idea. All right, Sean. So uh, thanks so much for joining us. Sean O'Connell here, Thomas Manning there. I'm Noel T. Manning II. You've been watching us right here on Meet Me at the Movies. And Sean, once again, if people want to just follow you and check out what you've got going on, what's the best way they can do that? Uh, social media, Twitter, I'm on uh, Sean underscore O'Connell. Or again, the account for the, the book is RTSC book. So give me a follow on either of those. I'm, I'm posting on the regular. Awesome. And we'll leave you with a movie quote of the week. And uh, this is fitting. Don't engage alone. We do this together. That comes from Diana Prince, Wonder Woman. So until yes, next does. time, I'm Noel T. Manning II for Sean and for Thomas right here on Meet Me at the Movies. And until next time, that is a wrap. Yeah.